162 games of the baseball season and winter comes along just to end it. So the annual problem for a baseball fan is finding a good way to watch it. Like maybe going to the park or watching on TV or just catching the highlights. Watching Gary Sanchez strike out a hundred times or seeing Judge hit a bomb. Bang! Bogart's making plays, Rafi hitting nukes, or Barnes blowing a save. Arguing with your friend, making dumb bets, or complaining about your team again. As you can tell, there's a whole lot of stuff to hear before winter comes again. Come on, y'all. So chill with us, cause Gamby and Beal are gonna say it all. So chill with us, cause Gamby and Beal are gonna say it all. Manfred! Gamby and Beal are making a podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Yank Your Socks Off podcast. I am one of your hosts, Andrew Gambardella, one of, just one of the hosts on this show. And, and there's only two of us that is both a Gamecock fan for life and a Gamecock alumni. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. And Matthew Beal, Matthew Beal, how was your Thanksgiving weekend? It was wonderful. Uh, I've got so much to be thankful for. Um we uh we had a you know big event happen over the weekend and uh we're we're gonna be getting to that pretty soon but i I think just overall the full week we uh got a lot of uh celebration and we're very fortunate to be able to spend the holiday with our family so we hope you guys all had a great thanksgiving and i hope uh you did as well gaby thank you beal thank you beal I, I know we already wish each other a happy Thanksgiving, but I also wish the, that you and your family had an excellent Thanksgiving because Thank you. we are very lucky. We both have excellent families to be a part of, and uh, I can't be any more thankful for the people I have around me. But before we we get to all um, the goodies that we, we get to talk about, we hinted at it already that happened Saturday with our Gamecocks. On Thursday was Thanksgiving Day. And I'm sure you ate a ton of food like I did. And, and I'm just curious, Beal, what was your favorite thing on the Thanksgiving menu on Thursday? Uh, I, for one, I did eat a crap ton of food. I, I love food. And um, so we, we went down to Myrtle Beach to my brother's house and spent some time with the whole family. And um, we were fortunate to be able to come together for Thanksgiving this year. And uh, James has started a tradition of smoking burn ends out in uh, his smoker. And that has become a Thanksgiving tradition in our family. So the past couple of years he's made it. And that is by far my favorite thing on Thanksgiving day is uh, being able to eat those burn ends after a couple hours of smoking in the uh, smoker outside and um, just eating those while watching some 
good old NFL football. So um, it was that was by far my favorite thing that I ate in the entire day. I know it doesn't really count as like the Thanksgiving dinner because it was definitely like a uh, you know appetizer to the Thanksgiving dinner, but. My favorite side, if we're going for traditional Thanksgiving stuff, um, was probably, uh, I don't know, the, the mac and cheese was quite fantastic. You can't really, you can't mess around with mac and cheese. Um, no, you can't. Much, not much was close to mac. So it was, it was very good baked mac and cheese and, um, you know, hands down, phenomenal. Yeah, for me, Beal, um, you know, being in an Italian household, um, it this was the first year where we only had just my immediate family, just the four of us. Um, so usually we do pretty much every big meal on every holiday in like four different courses. And you, you think with just four people, it would have been different, but it wasn't. We just kept the food rolling. My mom, everybody was in the kitchen. Uh, helping out, whether it was setting the table or, or doing some cooking or cleaning up afterwards. And, you know, it was, well, I, I'm not going to leave my dog out. My dog was the fifth member of the family. So yes, we did have five and he did get some scraps. But before I talk about everything about our entire night, I'll just get to the, to the big, to the big thing, the big thing that you're waiting for. My favorite thing is the salmon that my mom has made now for four straight Thanksgivings, just made it a new tradition, just like James did for your family. My mom looked up this recipe and it's a pistachio crusted salmon and it is, it just melts in your mouth and it is absolutely incredible. So that's my main dish. Now for my side, I'm going to go with a staple. It's stuffing. My mom has a secret homemade stuffing recipe that I get to see her make it. So I know how to make it, but it is absolutely incredible. And Beal, I, I really don't know. Why don't we make stuffing more often? Why isn't stuffing um, made like every week? That's a great question. Um, so I guess the background of stuffing is that you kind of, have to cook it in the turkey i know most people don't um and honestly I, i've heard uh good reason as to why like you wouldn't stuff a turkey with stuffing because there's other things you could stuff a turkey with whatever you do with your stuffing i think that is why initially it was like you know just on thanksgiving because gotcha. like that's where it originated like you stuffed your turkey with stuffing now I, I know a lot of people stuff their turkey with all sorts of things like apples and different kinds of fruits and um, uh, cinnamon, it, it, really anything. It's just all sorts of seasonings. But um, but yeah, I think that's where stuffing comes from. And, um, and I guess that's why we don't eat it more often. But I am a big voucher for eating it more often and just, you know, cooking it without the turkey and going, you know full-on stuffing in the oven and uh, i mean it is so good i there's not much that really beats stuffing for me on thanksgiving yeah i i totally agree with you there and th i i heard i hear you with like apples and, and there's a lot of weird stuff to try to make turkey a little less i, I think it's kind of dry for some people but on 
on Instagram, I was just flipping through reels this weekend and I saw somebody stuff a turkey with a bunch of marshmallows and I thought that was, I, I, I don't know. That's I don't, gross. yeah, I don't know how that turkey turned out. Um, and I, I very much wonder how that turkey turned out, but I don't think that turkey would, would be for me, it, but I, I mean, I wouldn't turn it down. I'd try it. I, you know, the sweetness of the marshmallow, maybe like it melting and, and kind of becoming like a gravy, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was a little interesting, but I, I thought I'd just throw that out there and see, see what your idea was about that. But definitely interesting. Um, def yes, definitely interesting. And what's even more interesting is that the South Carolina Gamecocks led by coach Beamer have two top 10 wins back to back to end the regular season and South Carolina finishes the regular season at eight and four, you know, after going to Florida at the swamp, not scoring a single point on offense, this offense has now scored 94 points in two games against Tennessee and Clemson who are still both ranked in the top 10 in the nation. So Beal, how were we able to do this? Why didn't we both see this coming from, from the get-go? Where was Rattler all season? Where was this offense all season? There's so many questions to answer, but Beal, I mean, all we can do is just be very happy, right? I mean, I, I am ecstatic right now. Yeah, I am uh, beyond happy. It was a great day the first time in seven years of being a Gamecocks fan that <clears throat> I got to see us beat Clemson. So, I mean, hats off to Beamer and the crew and Rattler. Um, I mean, as far as the way that Rattler has played, it's been the tale of two stories. I mean, there's the Florida game with no offensive points, and then there's the Tennessee game where you're playing a top three team in the country and you put up 63 and throw for six touchdowns. I mean, what Spencer has done recently is just otherworldly, and he's really showing why he was being talked about as a Heisman candidate at the beginning of the year. Um and he's kind of living up to the name that he had when he was committing to colleges uh, just a few years ago. And, um, I, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with how the offense has uh, been the past couple of games. Like, sometimes it just – it takes you getting beaten by, you know, Florida <laughs> um, 20-something to six or whatever it was, 28 to six. 38 to six. I, I, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I didn't even watch the end of that game. Um, it takes that for maybe the team to realize that they got to kick it in a gear and change some things up. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think all of the blame, I, I was going to say most of the blame, but all the blame has been on Satterfield's shoulders. Um, a, a little bit to Rattler for sure, because, um, you know, talent sometimes can outweigh a scheme and sometimes you could still play with a, you know, rough offensive scheme, even if there isn't great communication. Um, and, you know, in Satterfield's defense, he, he was pretty good towards the end of the year last year. He learned how to use his weapons. It seemed like he forgot about those things in the first half of the year. And that kind of seemed to leave Spencer a little bit confused on like where the priorities were on offense, what the offensive uh, objective was and the last two weeks whether it's Beamer you know sitting in Satterfield's ear or if Satterfield just kind of let loose a little bit and 
you know, kind of went back to his roots of distributing the ball a little bit better. I, I don't know what happened, but there's definitely been a clear change. The The talent's always been there for Rattler, and I think we all know that. Um, but whatever the miscommunication was coming from, wherever that originated, um, and, like, you know, I obviously am not too close to the team, and Beamer backs up Satterfield every single day, so um, I can't lean on him too much but um wherever that miscommunication was coming from it seems like maybe that was solved for now I, I mean we we saw that in the Duke Mayo Bowl last year through a quarterback injury and being able to still win that game with a incredible performance by DK Joyner and just like uh it like basically bringing out a new playbook uh when you only have a short amount of time to do that, that's one of Satterfield's greatest accomplishments. But, um, but this year it's just, it looked very disconnected, but you know, wherever that disconnect was lying it has kind of dissipated by now. Um, and we're hoping that it stays this way because I think we had that same hope at the end of the year last year. And then we went into this year kind of feeling a little bit more confused as far as what our offense was actually supposed to be. Yeah, I think with the second year of this offense, but the first year with Spencer Rattler at the helm and the first year Spencer Rattler was in a pro-style offense, I think it was going to take time. Things were ugly from game to game. You didn't know what you were going to get. And I don't want to get our hopes up too high and our expectations too high. But, you know, the sky is the limit for this team really i mean they just beat two top 10 teams in the country they are they are ranked 20th in the country right now so why not next year be able to contend for for being a top 10 team in the country and and being a contender at least one week out of the season being talked about as maybe being a college football playoff threat now, I, yeah, I, 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 that's definitely not a stretch. I, I mean, like, I, 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 this year, if we beat Florida and if we beat Missouri, two games that we should have won, then we are in that conversation. We are a top 10 team. So, you know, I, I mean, yes, like those games existed. And, yeah, we sucked in both of them. But, like, there are also games that if our offense had clicked before, and, again, maybe we needed those games to click in these final two, maybe if we won those games, we wouldn't have been as prepared for Tennessee and Clemson. But I'm just saying, if we were to go back and win those games, I we're there. The talent is clearly there to be in the conversation for a top four team. I, I will hold you there. I, I will, <laughs> I will stop put, put on the brakes a little bit because next year looking ahead, I, yeah, we could say what ifs about this season, uh, you know, forever. We can go right. on and on right. ab- about what ifs, uh, but I'm not going to get caught up in the past. Looking to the future next year, that's fair. We're going to lose a lot of players uh, on defense. Pretty much that whole defensive line, starting defensive line, is our juniors eligible for the draft, and especially a player like Zach Zach Pickens probably played his last game at williams Bryce um, Stadium. Cam Smith is going to be a first-round pick, only a junior, but a corner. Brilliant, great corner. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you look at that 
I, I don't know with COVID eligibility and medical red shirts, who's still eligible nowadays, but I look on for the starting offensive linemen are seniors or, or red shirt seniors. And I don't know if any of them are coming back. And then our three of our top four wide receivers are also seniors and Marshawn Lloyd our running back this year is a junior who could leave. Spencer Rattler could leave, who I don't think would even get drafted. Maybe but after these two games. At this uh, point, Spencer Rattler is probably a third-round pick, honestly. Wow, you're you're insane. I, I looked at That's the That's not insane. That, I, that is wild that to say. It, this, this draft class of QBs is one of the best – in, in recent memory with Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis at the top of the draft board. I'm just saying, I I think that Rattler can go in the middle rounds. Okay. Uh, here, like here, top here. three. It, like, like that's an absolute Bill, highest point is three. But I, he'll go in the fourth or fifth round. I think he is an undrafted quarterback right now. I think I in the country of draft eligible quarterbacks, who would you rather have? This is – Looking at um, an article on ESPN and looking at the QB rankings at, you know, just updated this past week, Spencer Rattler is somewhere around the 15th area. Now, I don't think 15 quarterbacks get drafted every year. So I think that is an undrafted slot position. There's a guy who we he just beat two weeks ago in Hendon Hooker who got a torn ACL. Who would you rather draft between Hendon Hooker and Spencer Rattler? Well, I, I don't want a torn ACL. Well, torn. Okay, that's fair. A healthy Hendon, <laughs> like a healthy Hendon Hooker or Spencer Spencer Rattler. That's not. That's not the. It's a theoretical. We're, you're saying theoretically that Spencer Rattler could be a third round pick because he it had two, be. two good games. What about the rest of of the season? What about his sophomore season at, at Oklahoma? I, I'm saying all these things because I want Spencer back at South Carolina. I would I, love to have Spencer back. I think I another think, a, another year in this offense could be great for him. And I think yeah, he could be a top five quarterback with a a full like year of knowing the offense and being in that role. So yeah, I think in his best benefit he should stay, but. I do think that he might get a call in the draft. And I, I just – I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I, I think teams are taking note of what they saw in the last couple of weeks, and nobody has put on a performance like he did against Tennessee. I, I That game is almost unmatched by any other quarterback um, this year. I, I mean, I say almost because, obviously, the top quarterbacks in the draft class – have had games like that, but not against Tennessee. Six touchdowns against Tennessee is, I, I mean, I know it's just one game and it doesn't tell the whole story, but I, I mean, I, I'm sure that NFL scouts and with a good combine, they're going to take note of performances like that. Because an undrafted quarterback doesn't do that. That's... That's fair. Yeah, I, I think he is draft caliber. That's for sure. I and he's going to do great in the combine. He has all the weapons and all the tools, and he's going to test well. He's going to 
throw well in the combine. Um, it, he's not great at moving, but you know, I, I mean, with some work, he could do the shuttle drill pretty well. And <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know, but you know, we'll see. I, I'm hoping that he stays, though. At the end of the day, that's what we're hoping for as Cox fans. Yes, we hope you stay, Spencer. I think you can get drafted this year. Uh, I'm just saying projections-wise right now, they have you as undrafted. I think you'd be a steal in the fifth or sixth round as just a flyer quarterback because you have a ton of talent, um, and I think you can use that talent at South Carolina next year and take Clemson down again at home next year, hopefully, and, and hopefully boost your draft stock. So. Please come back. That's our pitch from uh, Beal and Camby from the Beal Della squad. Um, our pitch to you, Spencer. And I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Now, that doesn't complete this show. The rest of the show, we have New York football giants talk. And we have, of course, Team Beal Della, our co-owned fantasy teams, the best co-owned fantasy team in all of the world. So b- before we get that get there, we're going to talk about the Giants, Peel. Now, Thanksgiving for the Giants, that wasn't the greatest Thanksgiving gift. It was it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for our football for our football teams this weekend. The Giants lose twenty eight to twenty in Dallas. What re- went wrong? Are the wheels coming off on a team that doesn't have a lot of talent? Are we still a playoff team, Beal? Those are the questions that the world wants to to hear the answers to. The Giants are not a playoff team. The wow! Gi- the Giants. Wow! That's what we're talking about, right? Not fantasy. That, no, not fantasy. We're wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So okay, honestly, please, you have the floor. The Giants have played very well in the first half and no matter what happens in the rest of the year I'm going to be happy with how the Giants played because they came from behind they won big games um, and have been very competitive with really good teams um, having beaten the Ravens uh, I, I don't know it, it's the, been the, so long now the since Titans. Been, yeah the Titans um, but the Giants are always going to fight with this uh, I don't, I don't know what to call it, but like, I guess evil. It every single year they're gonna fight in the NFC East, and I know that we haven't played two of the teams in the NFC NFC East. We've only played the Cowboys, lost both games. Um, it's always gonna be a battle of the division because no matter what year it is, for whatever reason, there's always close games in the NFC East, and so. If you're going to come out of the NFC East alive, you're going to have to win those games. And the Giants have honestly looked pretty miserable against the Cowboys in both efforts. Um, and, I, I mean, it's it's a Cowboys team that I think a lot of people are pretty excited about. But at the same time, I don't think they're nearly as good as the Eagles, and I think everybody would agree with me. Um, and I think that the Redskins are uh, – I'm sorry, the Commanders uh, are – kind of in the same boat as the Giants like I don't know we don't know if they're pretenders or contenders or you know whatever you want to call it but um, they're a very good team and they have been competing in close games this year just like the Giants Um, to win 
two games against the uh, Commanders is going to be a tough feat. Yep. Expect us to win one and lose the other. And I expect us to lose both games against the Eagles. And you cannot come out of the NFC East having only won one division game. You needed at least a win against the Cowboys, um, especially with how good the Eagles have been this year and how much of a fighter the uh, commanders have been. Um, And I just – I don't see it for that reason, given that we have four more division games. And uh, I think – I don't know. I'm not looking at the schedule right now, but I think two other teams that we're playing are – Minnesota and Indianapolis. Okay, so Minnesota being one of the – having one of the best records in the league right now and Indianapolis who, I I mean, you could say what you want about the Colts, but they could play with any team in the NFL. And, uh, you know, they have had their quarterback issues and had, like, little things here and there trying to figure out, like, who they are for the next five years. um, But they have a great running game. They have a great offensive line. Yes, they've been banged up uh, during the year, but – I mean, they're a team that is going to be – they're no cakewalk at all. And so, uh, given that we have such a difficult stretch of games, I don't have very high hopes for the Giants. Um, Do I think we could win nine games maybe, Uh, win two more? Yeah, I I think we could get there. I think we could be nine and eight, and I'd be really happy with a winning record. But I just don't know if that – I, I don't know. It's it's going to be close. We're going to be competing for a bottom spot. Um, but the Eagles, Cowboys are going to pass us. The Reds, uh, sorry, the Commanders might also pass us, <clears throat> having you know play us twice. So it, it's kind of our our fate's going to be in our own hands. And the Giants have not been able to blow out any team. And so, kind of putting our fate in our hands right now you not only have to stick in games, but you have to actually go out and win them. And we haven't been able to do that in the last two weeks. Um, and it doesn't seem like we're going to be finishing out games with a, a lot of punch. It just, you know, we've got injuries. We've got Saquon who's running on probably like his last fumes because we've just uh, leaned on him all year. Um, Daniel Jones has been incredible and I still think that he will be, but, um, there's a certain limit of what you can ask them to do. And the defense has obviously been awesome all year. They've kept us in these games, but um, you just, you can't rely on them having to play against offenses that have the ball for 70% of the game and still be able to hold them to a field goal or less. It's just, it's not reasonable to ask for that. And I just don't know if the giants have enough uh, superpower on their offense to, to win enough games to get into the playoffs. I, I mean, maybe signing Odell Beckham Jr. or someone like that could propel them forward, but you just you can't do it with one guy, and um, that's what we've been doing all year long. And It works sometimes, but we've won a lot of 50-50 games, and honestly, I, I think a lot of that comes from a little bit of luck. Okay. Now that it's my – floor i will just say first and foremost i am in shock 
and utter disbelief that you of all people, the most optimistic person I know, and, and, and somewhere I strive to be with your optimism and the joy that you live life with, I strive to be there. Um, and to see that you are out so quickly on our New York football giants who sit seven and four, who have the sixth seed right now in the NFC when seven teams make the playoffs and the Seattle Seahawks are in eighth place who just lost to the Raiders at home. And then you, the Raiders, and then you have the Washington commanders led by Taylor Heineke, who's been great, uh, but pretty much a very similar team to us. Well coached by Ron Rivera. I believe in Brian Dayball. This team is getting to the playoffs. Oh, I love Brian Dayball. There's no if, if, answer, but I know you love Brian Dayball, which, which is why I'm shocked. This team was missing five star, at least five starters that I, that I can name off the top of my head. Both corners were out this weekend, our starting free safety and Xavier McKinney and two offensive linemen, the whole right side of our offensive line. Oh, and our center too. That's at least six. Oh, and our tight end. That's seven. Uh, I don't know if there's any more than that, but there's at least set. Oh, and Aziz Ozilare, one of our starting uh, defensive ends. There's eight starters right there out of 22 starters that did not play against the Cowboys. Eight. That's yeah. a, if you want to do basic that's fractions that's there, that's a little under 40%. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of players to be missing. Now I'm not going to make excuses. Everybody in the NFL, NFL, every team, every person is injured, hurt. They're dealing with injuries. And I think this team is going to power through. The fact that we play every team close and we never gave up in that game, even, even when it was pretty much over, that final drive, Daniel Jones took him down, made it a one-score game, kicked the onside kick, didn't get it, and didn't get a chance at a Hail Mary. Who cares? They, they fought. And I, I love this team. They fight to the end. And Looking at the schedule, playing Washington twice within three weeks. If all we need is one of those games and the win at home against the Colts and we're nine and eight, that's it. You know, maybe something crazy happens in Philadelphia week 18. Maybe Philly already has has home field advantage through the playoffs and they sit everybody that game and we can steal that game and go 10 and seven. You know, there's a lot of crazy things to happen. Minnesota hasn't bl blown anybody out. We can stay in that game. Philly just lost to Washington at home on a Sunday night. So, I, you know, every game this team could surprise people. And all four of these NFC East games remaining will be tight. And we just need the ball to bounce our way. And I, I think you know, the ball will bounce our way a couple more times and this team will squeak into the playoffs and get some playoff experience under their belts. I I would love that. Um, I really hope that we do. And I love Brian Dayball. You know, between South Carolina and the Giants, we have two great coaches in Dayball and uh, Beamer. So I'm very happy about where we're sitting coach-wise. Um I'm just still wondering if the personnel is there, but I, I mean, I love your optimism and I'm going to thrive on that. So um, don't mind if I hop on your bandwagon and, and hope for a playoff run, but I've just kind of known to sequester my uh, 
expectations for the Giants and hold them a little bit lower than I do for my other teams. So, um, you know, it's it's been a long time since the playoffs, but I really, really would love the excitement of the playoff game if we're able to get there. Yeah, well, my hopes are at a sky high for this team. Um, well, not as sky high as they were before we played the Lions two weeks ago, but they're at an all-time high because my other franchises in the Yankees, they just let me down. You know, the Bulls supposed to be good this year near the bottom of the Eastern Conference right now. And the Chicago Blackhawks are in shambles. Those are my other professional teams. So, you know, it's been a bunch of letdown from my professional teams. And I just think this team has potential to make the playoffs. That's all I want is a playoff game to root for because then anything could happen. You know, maybe we get one upset. We're not a Super Bowl contender. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that with this roster. But making the playoffs would be an incredible feat um, for this coaching staff, for the players, and and a great experience um, for for the whole New York franchise and the Giants. And uh, as a fan, I just want to watch another get to the playoffs, you know. It's, it's been a minute since we've been in the playoffs, and I uh, can't do anything but root, but I, I think this team has what it takes to make the playoffs down the stretch with some guys coming back from injury. And that is uh, that is my TED Talk today. But moving on from that, Beal, we're talking about maybe a playoff team. Beal, let's talk about our playoff team. You know, we have a 99% chance to make the playoff playoffs in fantasy football our co-owned fantasy football team thank you again for joining the show and tuning in every week we check in on our co-owned fantasy team team bealdella it's a mix of both of our last names and this team is a mix a mix of the both of us because you know i would have never in a million years drafted a tight end this early without a little push from you to get Travis Kelsey in that second round, or I think we stole him in the third round. And he is probably by far our best player, uh, albeit Justin Jefferson is incredible, but most valuable player is probably Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. And, you know, I, I, I just love this team. There's, there's nothing I, I really have to say about this team. It's good vibes throughout this whole team. And just to give you guys a little bit of an update, as I say all of this, our team Bialdella is on a four-game win streak. We just took down Justin Pod Pod Dr. Kaplan, who has been on the show multiple times. He is the commissioner of this league. And we beat him to now we are in a tie for first place and we win the tiebreaker by points four by over 50 points. Um, with him right now uh, with two weeks to play in the regular season winning the division means we get a buy in the playoffs Beal and you know how big that is so Beal we we have huge decisions to make this week but before I say that Beal can I ask you this I want to see if 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 I've lost you here if I've lost your optimism Beal is our team destined for a fantasy football championship finally oh yeah okay yeah. Thank you. That now, Veal, the trade deadline is about to pass this week. I don't think anybody's going to make any moves this late in the season. Um, I think 
his trade deadline is always the latest in every league that I'm in. It's always the last one. I, I really haven't seen a deal be made this late in the season, but, but, you know, who knows, who knows if, uh, if this, uh, you know, this deal will, uh, you know, a, a deal will go through at the last minute for the trade deadline. And, but Beal, are we're good, right? We don't need to, need to look for a trade or, or is there is there a position of need you think we need to trade for no we're good we're cruising all the way into the championship barring injury free football which is a lot to say in football and and injuries are a huge part of the fantasy football realm and, and a huge part of their success as long as this team stays healthy i got big hopes Beal, this week um we got some decisions to make, though, still. In the running back two spot, do you have – first, Fomars, do you have your coin at the ready? I have a coin. For those of you just tuning in for the first time, we have been flipping a coin and assigning a two players on our team, deciding whether or not to play them in our flex position where you could play a running back or a wide receiver or a tight end. Um, and we, we take two players – where it's just a toss up and we literally toss it up. And we, when did we start doing this Beal? Like five weeks ago, I think we're now four and one with using the coin. So I said, we ride it out. Yep. Let's keep doing it. So Beal this week we have, I, I don't know if you want to flip the coin on this, but we have Rashad white coming off a great game against the Browns fantasy wise for the bucks. Um, the Bucks were not able to hold on in the end in Cleveland, and they lost in overtime. But Rashad White Monday night against the Saints with Fournette potentially coming back from a hip injury, or DeAndre Swift, who has not gotten more than nine touches in the past five weeks. You know, field. Swift uh... – I feel like he's got to be a no-go. I mean, yeah, he's getting a good amount of targets in the receiving game, but just, you know, not nothing significant as far as yardage. Um, I, and I agree. Loses all the touches to Jamal Williams. So I just don't think we could start him. I mean, it sucks because DeAndre Swift is easily a top 10 quarterback on a normal year without a honestly, you know, quite frankly, better running back behind him. Um, I, I mean, we don't really know. DeAndre Swift has been fighting injury all year, but it does suck because that was such an early pick for us that we can't be starting him at this point in the year. Yeah, it is. It is sad. Now he hasn't gotten less than seven points the last five weeks or last less than eight points. Uh, that's because he scored a touchdown in, I think, three of those five weeks and he's just, you know, had one big play every week, every time he touches the ball. I don't know if he can still do that this week against Jacksonville. I think probably can because Jacksonville is a bad defense, but we won't bank on that. And Rashad white has a little bit more upside because he's just going to get the ball in a pretty good offense in Tampa Bay. Now to the wide outs and our flex position, other than Justin Jefferson, there's nobody who I say we got, we have to play them. So we have Donovan Peoples Jones at Houston. 
with Deshaun Watson coming back to play quarterback for the Browns. Josh Palmer for the Chargers at the Vegas Raiders. George Pickens at the Falcons for the Steelers. Cortland Sutton at Baltimore for Denver. Tyler Boyd against Cincinnati at home. Now, Tyler Boyd has been bad the past couple weeks. And with Jamar Chase probably returning this week, I think we should rule him out from playing him this week. Yeah, agreed. And I might even throw in, um, throw by you that we should maybe drop him this week. I I don't hate it. Honestly, I would have wanted to drop him for uh, moving Kyler into, uh, you know, a position on our roster. But we weren't able to do that last week and unfortunately had to drop Deontay Foreman. So that stinks. But, you know, we live we live with it. We're yeah, just we have to drop Tyler Boyd now. Yeah, we, we have to live with it. We're forced to live with it. And uh, it stinks. It, it just plainly stinks. But life moves on. And uh, there, there are other opportunities out there and other guys to pick up. So before we get to, to that move, Theo, between Sutton, Peoples-Jones, Palmer, and Pickens, we have three spots to play to play out of these four guys. Is there one guy screaming to you saying, we got to play him? There's no no if, ands, or buts about it. We got to play him. Well, uh, honestly, um, oh, man. I feel like, and you know, there's just a feeling here. I feel like we got to start Josh Palmer. Um, yeah. I, I, we said this last week. He had 30 points the week before uh, this past week. I'm happy. Uh, like, you know, it, it could be better, could be worse. But he got the targets, uh, ended up only with 56 yards. But uh, five receptions. So, uh, I mean, that's that's a good game from him and still 40 points over the last two games. And, um, like, I think he's got uh, 70 points in the last four. So, yeah, I say we stick with him. I, I like that pick. This week, my lock pick, I, I, I just like the way George Pickens, Pickett to Pickens, we have like – Pickett as one of our quarterbacks with Kyler on by. We have to play Kenny Pickett and Daniel Jones this week in our two QB league. But Pickett's last three weeks after the bye, 14 and a half, 18.3, 10.7 points. And this week he gets the worst defense out of all of the last three teams he's played. He gets to go to Atlanta and play against the Atlanta Falcons who have a very porous defense. And I think Pickens is a guaranteed 10 points, and I just like that play. Yep, I love it too. I, so, was, I was trying to decide between saying him or saying um, Josh Palmer, so I'm glad that you said Pickens. So we're on the same page. So that leaves us with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Cortland Sutton with in the flex option. I don't know how Deshaun Watson's going to look coming back against the Texans. I feel like it's juicy for Donovan Peoples-Jones, a play of Donovan Peoples-Jones, but who knows if he's going to have chemistry with Deshaun. So, Beal, do you want to leave this up to the coin or do you want to decide on a guy? 
This is a perfect coin toss. Okay, that's what I was feeling as well. This is a perfect coin toss. Now, Bo, what does your coin? What is the coin of use for today's episode? So we got a quarter, as always. Um, heads, obviously, is George Washington, um, who's on the front of the quarter dollar. Um, in God we trust. Uh, and it says liberty. So, yeah, that's the front of the quarter, as you all know. Um, and then on the back, we our tails is represented by the state of Georgia. Um Unfortunately, we, we don't love the state of Georgia as South Carolina fans, but we're going to live with it. Um, there is what looks to be uh, some type of bird on the back. I, I want to say it's a crane, but I am not sure. It's standing on a branch um, by some water. This is a 2018 coin. Um, and, oh, here we go. It's uh, Cumberland Island is where the scene takes place. Um, and then it says some Latin words, I believe, on the bottom. Okay. Well, Cortland Sutton went to SMU, is from Texas, and Donovan Peoples-Jones went to Michigan. So I, I don't know how we get to Georgia. If this was George Pickens, who went to Georgia in this discussion. And his name is George. Yes, it, it would have been a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot easier. Um, but uh, I – you know, I don't I, – I think Cortland Sutton, as a veteran in this league with Donovan Peoples-Jones only being 23 years old, uh, being younger than the both of us, the elder statesman in Cortland Sutton, who's still, I think, only like 26 or something like that, not very old at all. Like that, yeah. Yeah, he's 27, yeah. But nonetheless, you know, it's like – slightly older statesman and that's why he will be the head of this quarter because he is the forefront and he has been in the NFL longer and he got to, yeah, he's, he's had more NFL experience. So I think that's why he deserves to be on the head of the quarter. I completely agree. That sounds, uh, sounds pretty reasonable to me. Okay. So Cortland Sutton will represent heads and Donovan Peoples Jones will represent tails Beal, tails never fails. We'll see if it holds true here. Here's the toss. We got heads. We got heads, which means Cortland Sutton will be put in our flex for Donovan Peoples-Jones. We'll see how that plays out. I was hoping it went tails in my head, but the coin has proven me wrong. We live to fight another day. I like Sutton. I, I like it. That's, okay. It's like a guaranteed 12 points, I feel like. All right. All right. Well, we, we got to ride with it. Now, Bill, before we leave today, the guy who I wanted to pick up in Nico Collins, and the Houston, arguably the Houston Texans' number one receiver right now, um, for and dropped Tyler Boyd, which picked up earlier in the day. Bill, we now have the opportunity to either pick up Isaiah McKenzie, Mac Hollins for the Raiders is a, is another name I like. Or maybe go out on a limb and get a guy like, I don't know, Robert Woods for the Titans. I don't really love, love that idea. Um, I don't think I would drop Robert Woods for Tyler Boyd. But 
What are you thinking here? Um, I don't know. It, it's it's tough because part of me does want to snag a running back, but there's just not really a whole lot of great options out there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, coming off a big game, uh could be potentially useful. Uh, I I feel like at the end of the day, no matter who we pick up, is not likely to be a starter, especially once we hit our playoff games. But, um, I, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, if you're riding the hot hand, I, I mean, he does have a couple of big scoring games this year and uh, gets when, when he's playing well. So uh, I don't hate it. Yeah, I, I don't hate my Isaiah McKenzie either. I think they're very similar players, him and Tyler Boyd. They're both on excellent teams with great quarterback play and both slot receivers. Both are both third receivers in their offenses with decent tight ends. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the Bills offense is a little bit more dynamic. So I think Isaiah McKenzie could be the move here. All right. All right, so we'll get that done. Thank you for tuning in again. I know it's been a long show, and uh, we're just doing one show a week now that the baseball season's over. But as always, go Yankees. I hope everybody had an excellent, excellent Thanksgiving weekend. And, uh, yeah, go Gamecocks. I hope we get a great bowl so we can go to the game together. I hope it's close, and I hope it's uh, manageable to get to for every Gamecock fan out there. And Beal, as always. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, enjoy, whoa. Your, enjoy your sunsets, your sunrises, your brunches, your lunners. Now, Beal, take us out. Uh, yeah, love you guys. And uh, go Beamer Bowl. <laughs>